I think might have been on the Facebook group. People were talking about buying houses back in Mobile. I'm with that. If it's a group effort, but it's just not going to be me. Like I can't change Tomanville by myself. You know, right now, like if I, you know, financially, if I was in a place, maybe, but at the same time, I can't do it. But if we had a group of 50 investors or 100 investors and we're talking about buying Tomanville back one block at a time, that's a different case. What up, what up, what up, what up? It is Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, your favorite host of your favorite new podcast. Join with your favorite co-host, Rizzy and Buff. Fellas, tell them what's going on with you. So are we still considered new? Yeah, I mean, we're only like three, four, what, five months in? Six months in? So are we new? Are we new like the the first whole year, and then after that, <laughs> we're no like I don't, I don't know, man. We're new, like we're new and approved, man. I, I switched us to season two uh, in January, so oh, oh never no. mind. <laughs> Disregard. <laughs> so how do Why I see this? Wait a year, Roger. <laughs> Roger just do what he want to do. I just I just uh, figured the seasons could go by the years since we record every week anyway. It wasn't like a real good cutoff time. So now you know we'll what? be able to on since, on year. So since we plan on doing a live show in August, we should we should like let the live shows be like our season finale. Yeah. Like we did in- <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. So uh was what's good with you, man. Man, I'm excited. Um Han is back. I don't know if any of y'all follow Fast and the Furious, you know. Uh, what is it? Fast, Fast and Furious Nine now plus Hobbs and Shaw. You throw all of them together, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited, man. Han died in like the third one, and they just brought him back to life somehow. I don't know how, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the last one I really saw and remember, it might have been Tokyo Drift. Damn, sir. <laughs> or the one where I think Can you they see were that with the rock. The one that was that the one where running drugs through Mexico. That was part four. Okay, that that was it. I, I stopped over that. Oh, you missed like the best one. Like I think Fast Five is the best one. They they lost me once they did. Uh, I think it was seven. That the franchise kind of lost me. Like, yeah, I'm not, when they when they got, got it, like they started getting way over the top. Like dogs, it's just, it, they, it's destroyed, just too they destroyed the parking yeah. deck. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's one part where he's like surrounded by uh, whoever's after him. And his plan is just to drive off a cliff. Like, <laughs> a cliff! And he survives it. I mean... He tells the girl, buckle up. Like, like that's gonna how, help. And then the how many different, plot, the how many different plot plots can you have about driving fast <laughs> and well, furious? That's the, thing. The, 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 the plot on that one, plot on that one is so stupid because they're looking for God's eye to help them find Jason Statham's character. Yet, Jason Statham is everywhere that they are. So they don't even need God's eye because he's chasing them, showing up. So what? It's just dumb, dumb. They lost. <laughs> and you sound surprised. How many different storylines can you have about people driving a car fast? Just as, just as many. Furious? Just as many as you can have Madea jumping around, oh, waving her gun. That's how many. Try, you can he have. Try, he trying to start. So trying to none. Get started first. So none. <laughs> 
One last ride. (laughs) (laughs) I take that from the movie. Well, he says it almost every movie. One last ride. Uh, Well, I haven't seen it in probably 10 years, so I'm going to take your word for it. Are you a movie snob? I am. I've been called picky on a few things, so maybe movies are it too. Okay. Rising, am I picky? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's definitely a picky, but I just noticed, you know, you. We know how you feel about Tyler Perry movies, and now Fast and Furious. You just seem like a, a movie snob. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Sometimes movies are bad. And that's okay. You watch them, <laughs> but because they're enjoyable, so, even though they're bad. Like so you can ridiculous. get over it. <laughs> like I'm gonna eat this bad food. Like this shit is disgusting, but I'm gonna eat it anyway just because it's there. And you can do it you know, all the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's called chitlins. A lot of healthy food. That's it's called so- chitlins. It's called McDonald's. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. That's not food. McDonald's is not food. <laughs> exactly. But people eat it still. So it's one of those things, man. Sometimes a Tyler Perry movie is, or like a Fast and Furious, it's just a veg out type of movie. It, you're not, you're not looking for a Emmy or Grammy or whatever it is they get. You ain't looking for all that. I mean, you're just looking for a movie to pass the time that's got some explosions, some art, pretty cool cars. I don't need a plot. I, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I, I just don't need a plot. Watch that anywhere between one to four times. <laughs> when you're on the tenth version of that, but they get new cars every time. It's a different. It, it's like you never know what they're going to be driving. Do they drive more fast and more furious? Yeah, yeah. Like this one, they put a rocket on a Pontiac Fiero. Why wouldn't they? Exactly. I mean, at this point, that's the only thing that's left. <laughs> I think they're going to go into space at some point. I, I would assume. Yeah. My only, uh, I mean, their fans came for me when I said it's now a superhero movie. I mean, but that's what it is now. Like, uh, Rosie mentioned them stumping a parking lot. Like, like Vin Diesel stumped a crack in the parking lot. Like, I mean, they're superheroes now. It's 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 long gone from the heist and race type movies. They might they might as well be the Avengers and and be up under the Marvel umbrella. But um, you you asked what we're excited about. We got the Super Bowl coming up tomorrow. I won't be watching. I don't know if you guys will be watching, but I know a lot of people are excited about that. And a lot why, of people. Why aren't you watching? Are you going to be working, or you're just still not watching NFL? I'll be working. I'll be working. I mean, plus I don't. I'm no longer boycotting NFL, but the time that I did boycott it, I didn't miss it. So now I'm not pressed to watch any games, even though I don't have my so-called boycott on anymore. It can be on, and I'll watch something that me and Tabitha got on DVR, like Bahama Life or House Hunters or something. You know, we watch that kind of stuff. So. You watch House Hunters. I'm so yeah, past House Hunters, man. I hate House Hunters I, at this point. I only watch the ones that are in cities that I like. Like I like being in Atlanta or Miami. So if it's an episode in one of those cities, I watch that episode. I feel like I can relate. But if it's in like Walla Walla, Washington or Wisconsin or somewhere, nah. <laughs> Too sure. Um, yeah. Um, y'all see, y'all see uh, I, I, Terry Crews apologize. 
I have no comment on that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just over us putting our foot in our mouth. Like sometimes we just don't need to talk. Yeah, you know, just we don't have to express our opinion about everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where Terry Crews was coming from when he was like, "That wasn't my experience." Like it, it it's he was answering a specific question. Or, or responding to that, um, I don't think he was like trying to undercut her experience. He was like, that wasn't my experience. And then people started coming at him. The problem came in, he came back, like he got angry and started coming back at folks instead of saying, my bad, I didn't mean to undercut oh, her. Hold on, for our listeners that don't know what's going on, maybe we should highlight it. Good point. We just assume they know what's going on. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Do that. So. What happened was um, Gabrielle Union was forced out of America's Got Talent, I think. Um, yes. And so she kind of the reason why she was forced out was because she was kind of a whistleblower for uh, sexist things that were being said. I think Jay Leno made a, a sexist comment. She called him out on it. And then she was saying that, um, you know, there was some sexist things happening behind the scenes as well. So they forced her out. And um, and racist, the with the black hand, the Beyonce performance, or something like that. Oh, I, eh, I deets, okay, yeah, I don't know the deets, but um, so that generally is, uh, I think, what happened. And then, so they talked to Terry Crews about it, and Terry Crews was like, That wasn't my experience. Why everybody's all mad is because at one point Terry Crews came out about something and Gabrielle Union supported him and 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 was like, yes, I think it was the Me Too movement when he came out uh, saying that he got Me Too as well. Uh, and she was like, yes, that happens. And then she came out with her story of uh, being sexually assaulted. So like they're like, oh, well, she supported him when he was coming out and, and talking about things that was happening to him. But when she was coming out and talking about things that was happening to her, uh, he wasn't, um, you know, supporting her, but I don't think he was, it was that he wasn't supporting her. He was talking his truth in that situation. Well, so, so I slightly disagree when you said, uh, at first he didn't really do anything wrong. He needed to follow up that. If you're going to say that that's not my experience, you need to follow that up with, but you know, it's good that she stood up for those people. And and if that's the type of thing that was happening, there's no place for it. And I'm glad she spoke up on it like right. that. And then I think what made it worse for him is he doubled down and said, you know, the only black women that I have to protect are like my wife and my daughters. And it's like, dude, when you came out about your situation, it was black women that were riding for you the most because the, mm -hmm. the men, the men were clowning you. Like, how can you be that big and strong and let some little white dude fondle you not once, but twice in front of your wife in public at a party? And it was black women that came to his defense. So if nothing else, he definitely should have rolled for her a lot more and not double down and, and, and try to stand by his comments. And now his quote apology seems hollow because it took so long and for all we know a publicist or somebody wrote it for him so that's what it, it, it did sound a whole lot like some PR rep wrote that <laughs> it's just always touchy to me like everybody 
everybody has an opinion. They, de- they deserve an opinion. But once you put your opinion out there, it's out there and you deal with the consequences of it. You know, Terry Crews, you made a, what some might call a dumb remark. Then you just pay the consequences. Like it is what it is. Admit your faults. You know, I misspoke and call it a day. Great point, Ferg. For those of y'all now watching, Rothy just pulled out a Ziploc bag sandwich like he, <laughs> like he's at work. Oh. <laughs> On a lunch break. You got a thermos over there too, big dog? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> At least it says Gatorade. I half expected it to say like Captain Planet or something. I got, I got a whole lunchbox. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, hold on. Before we go any further. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> he does it every show. <laughs> I got to speak to our first lady. So, is that Yo. your Bob? Nice, uh, Rodney, nah, so uh, what happened was I was I've, I've been I've been working on a rental property of mine for about the last three weeks, and so I was there all day today. And Jennica was like, "You want me to bring you something?" I was like, "Yeah." She brought it to me, but I didn't want to stop working to eat, and so I haven't eaten all day. And so it's uh for, for you guys that don't know, it's eight o'clock at night right now, and I'm literally just uh, sitting down to eat uh, as well as record. So hey. Just got to multitask sometimes. All right. Well, before we well, get to break for you sipping, so what you what's on your mind, bro? Um, what's on my mind is I'm just surprised on how how deep the loss of Kobe, yeah, had, and all the things it sparked. It sparked a lot of conversations, a lot of different articles. Um. For you guys that are on social media, probably seen the girl dad thing. And I want to be, first of all, say I'm proud of my timeline because I have not seen any um, women or single mothers try to kind of place themselves in the middle of that. I'm a mother and a father type thing that we see sometimes during uh, Father's Day and stuff like that. So I was really happy about that. Then even another article where it was just talking about how Kobe's death or how has allowed black men to mourn or put a kind of opened up that door. Cause you know, I've seen guys on social media and even guys I've talked to in person that says, you know, man, I shed a tear. It caught me off guard. I've even had a friend who mentioned uh, who recently lost his mother within the year. It was going through some things and actually uh, I think Kobe's death and just dealing with mourning as a whole kind of taught him it's okay to mourn. And he actually said that he was going to, he took the first step in seeking counseling. And so it's just amazing that um, something like this could be so impactful. And I think for me, it was, and I'm trying to find this article I I posted or I read and it was a comment that was made basically saying if anybody listening that slapping sound was Byron lotioning up I don't know what he's lotioning up for I'm ashy man I told y'all I was ashy once again you put my business on the streets nah, they heard go. you they heard you with the little clapping in the yeah they said that because to go I down. had it on mute I had it on mute <laughs> and um, back to what I, what I was saying was 
how impactful Kobe's death was, especially to, I think, people of our generation. And this is a quote from the article, and it says, he was a North Star of sorts. We grew up with him, and therefore, whether we realize it or not, his mortality was tied to our own. With his death feeling just as abstract and distant as we could, what we all hope ours to be. So basically saying somebody so young, somebody so iconic that we grew up with, we kind of figured that we would grow old together. So when somebody like that, you lose somebody like that, it reminds you that your mortality is not um, imminent. I mean, um, infinite. It's any one of us can go any day. And for somebody you idolized and looked up to and grew up with, like I said, you kind of half expected that. And, you know, we, I thought I'd be seeing Kobe the next 20, 30 years, you know, one day might be the, you know, owner of the Lakers or, you know, commissioner of the NBA. Who knew where where his uh, his path was going to take him? But we kind of all expected to see that and grow old with that. And it just hit us like, man, uh, we're part of this thing called life and it can even grab the best of us. So uh, don't want to keep dragging on Kobe. Uh, fellas, you guys got anything? Uh, I did see one person post that she is a boy mom, but I didn't really take it as I take like the uh, the women that do the whole happy Father's Day to me because I'm a single mom thing. But I did see that. And I agree with a lot of what you said about Kobe, man. I like what it brought out in us, the whole girl dad thing. Um just men really learning, including myself. I, I mentioned how I cried for the first time in front of Tabitha. And I wind up, when the Lakers played, I think it was last night they did a tribute to him. And a few tears came out my eyes, man. And and for a split second, I was trying to hold him back. And I was like, B, you got to wow. practice what you... Exactly. I, say, I said to myself, you got to practice what you preach. You on this show telling men how it's okay to cry. You still trying to... And I just let... I started letting them flow, man. Like... So hopefully a lot of guys are becoming more comfortable with that. Uh, I'm one of them. And like I say, it's crazy, man. I wasn't even like a fan. I wasn't even like a Kobe fan, but the shit has hit me hard. It's the second yeah. celebrity death that's hit me hard since Tupac. Like Jan- I mean, not Janet. Whitney Houston passed. Michael Jackson passed. Muhammad Ali. None of them hit me hard like this one has. I, like, I think, like I said, I think he was one of us. Like you just considered him. It's like, man, that friend that you knew that you grew up with. And he just, when he, when you lose something like that, it's, it's losing. Like, it's, like, as I said, it's kind of losing a part of yourself. It just made you realize that you too can, can be gone in a, the, the uh, flash of my eye. So, Razi, anything on, from you before we wrap it up? Nah, man. Um, I just you talked about the girl dad thing. Um, I loved our post. It, anybody who follows us on Facebook, uh, we did a girl dad post, and just seeing the support from it, all the ladies, the guys uh, posting their uh, their little girls on there, it was a great opportunity for us to show. Uh, I even had somebody come up to me and say, you know. Sometimes we forget that you three are just real people. You know, it, it's it, I, I forget that we've become 
caricatures or personas to some of these folks. Some of our listeners just know us as the three brothers. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so True. they were, and so you know, my friend came up to me and she was like, seeing that post really made me think of you guys and and made you become people in my eyes again even though she sees me at work every day you know but she was still saying like as a three brother um it just feels different and so it brought us back so cool thank you guys thank you for all the comments likes, shares on that post um and and keep posting keep um talking to us we love the communications we love that back and forth on um our facebook and our social media pages well, with that being said, Rosie, I can't think of any better way to take us out. And um, when you come back, we'll be talking and asking our questions. All right, people, we are back. Three brothers, no sense. What we failed to mention today is February 1st. So the beginning of Black History Month, Black Love Month. So I'm going to kick off my my question and I hope it goes. I, this is kind of a toss up. I don't know where it's going to go. I kind of have my idea. So, um, fellas, name your top two or three. And this is not where this is not the end of it. Two or three best black romantic movies or like couples and black couples and movies that you can think of, especially probably, let's like, say, in the 90s or early 2000s. I'm, I'm gonna say um, Marcus from Boomerang okay. and an uh, old girl. Uh, I can't remember her name. When she was like, "Love should have brought your ass home last night." Angela, uh, Angela, Angela, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So um, I liked that one, and then I'm gonna just go uh, with Martin and Gina, man. Like I know it's not a movie. I want movies. I want movies. I'm sticking with movies. Uh, Stick with movies. Uh, okay. Give me a second. That was a good one, though. Uh, <laughs> but think about all the black love stories and stuff. Think about... Y'all need me to throw something out for you? Please. So you got Love Jones, like you said, Boomerang. You got uh, Higher Learning. You got Mo Better Blues. Love, yeah, yeah. Uh, love and Basketball. basketball yeah. Brown Sugar, Thin, Thin Line. Best Man. Jason's lyrics, poetic justice, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a love movie. Even two that we brought up last week, you know, like um, Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, like those were, you know, there was a underlying love story in all those still. So while Rosie is thinking, I'll go with one is a comedy and that is uh, Coming to America. And I like that because. I like the I like the idea that he had. I think he's he kind of went about it the wrong way, but I liked him wanting her to love him for him okay. uh, instead of like you know the 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 wealth that he had and stuff. Plus, it's a funny movie, yeah. and I do also want to say Love and Basketball is trash. Um, and then <laughs> I want to come I want to come back around, and uh, I had my second one. I had to slip in that Love and Basketball shot. Now I maybe forget my. Uh, my second, oh, I, I think I'll go with. Um, it's a toss up between Best Man and The Wood. Uh, I had to make peace with The Best Man because when I was younger, I was only looking at it from a male's point of view, and I was mad that he still married her after what she did. But as I've gotten older, it's like, man, this dude was like smashing hundreds of chicks. And I mean, you do dirt, you get dirt. So. 
all in all, it's still a good love story, a good movie. And I do like the wood. I like the wood, not so much for the love aspect, but it just reminded me of growing up as a young black kid in 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 the in, in the um the eighties and nineties, man. So yeah. those mm-hmm. two right there. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go back. So I already talked Boomerang. I you hit one that I really love is Brown Sugar, and it's probably more so for the music aspect of it than anything else. Like when they talk about I fell in love with hip hop, and they're talking about their girl in there. I mean, I love that joke, man. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with them. And so for me, I agree. Great movie. The rapid donations. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh man, I can't with you guys. So my thing was, you guys kind of picked something that I didn't think of, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting you said that because th- those are good movies. But I think of like <laughs> Brown Sugar. I get um, your other one was Boomerang, right, Rosie? Yeah. As far as like a love story, couple, you know, a lot of people romanticize about that. Byron, yours was uh, coming to America. Coming to America. A toss up between the wood and the best man. Okay, so I'm gonna go with the best man on that one. And so mine probably was. I didn't like love. No, I didn't like love Jones. Love Jones annoyed me for a minute just because everybody was on it. But I did like loving basketball just because because uh, I was a Sinai Lathan fan. I think that might have been what it was. And and Boomerang. And the reason I asked that question is I was I happened to be watching Mo Better Blues today. I don't know if you guys ever remember that movie. Yes. So Mo Better Blues, uh, Denzel did a dope job in that movie. It had Wesley Snipes. Um, really good movie. And I always just thought it was like a cool love story, kind of hip, you know, realistic, you know, whatever the case may be. But then I watched it as an adult and I saw the end of the movie and this dude had pretty much hit rock bottom. And the whole movie, this dude was like a pimp, you know, he had the little light skin shit, Clark. And then he had Indigo, who Spike Lee's um, sister. And he was messing him over the whole movie. Uh, Clark goes and messes with uh, Wesley Snipes. He treats her right. They seem to be happy. And then he finally goes back to Indigo when he hit rock bottom. And she was trying to move on with her life and be a better person. And like, you screwed me over. I haven't heard from you in a year, whatever the case may be. But he forced his way back into her life. And I guess it was the begging aspect, the fact that that black man begged for the person that he really loved and came to this, had this epiphany that he wanted to be with her. And I don't know if that was just really love or out of need, but what it made me think about, because one of the main lines he said was, I need you to fix my life. And so many, say again. Like Ayala? <laughs> yeah, like Ayala. Ayala? I can never say her name. Ayala. But it's crazy because when I look at a lot of these movies, it's the common theme. It's this black man messes over this woman pretty much the majority of the movie, except maybe in Boomerang uh, Buff. Or he messes her over or he 
doesn't realize he loves he, her. He, he, half put, he half ignored her most of the movie and yeah. then messed her over in the end. So, you know. Yeah. It, it, and think about it. It's a, it's kind of like, and we hear so many black women talking about, they, you know, I've seen lately, like, black women stop trying to save our black men. Um, and so many black women's like, I'm tired of just, you know, being that, that scapegoat for him or that safety net for him. And it's like, especially in the late the nineties and early two thousands, it was really like, find this guy. He has some potential to be good. He's going to screw you over for the most of the movie, most of the life. But if you love him enough, you can save him. And then we fall in love and think it's a great storyline. And it's like, is that what is that what the our, and I know it's for theater. I know yeah, it causes I, for good, but is it art imitating life or is it life imitating art? So are our women romanticizing about some of this stuff? Are they seeing this stuff and making it okay? Because think about most of these movies, love and basketball, freak um Q screwed uh what's her face over the whole pretty much the whole movie. Yeah. She had to literally say, play you for your heart. Like, you know, like, and that's a love story. Like, I'm begging you to be with me. Love should have brought your ass home last night. Like, he cheated on her. He che- almost cheated on her and realized that he loved her the whole time. And she had to fix him. Like, it's... I, I, I think that you have to have a story arc for a movie, though. Like, I, and, and I, I so, get it. like, when you're saying art, art imitating life or life imitating art, I, I really think it's... That's what those art pieces are. When, when you talk about a drama, it's going to be like that. But, I mean, if you look at, I don't know, all about the Benjamins. and No, we're not, let's not go there. Nope. No, I'm just nope. saying. I'm nope. just saying. Like, nope. Mike, Epps, Mike Epps and Ava, or whatever, uh, Eva Mendez, like, they went hard. Like, that was, she I'm was not, down not, for him, no matter I'm what. Not, and I'm, so, not, I'm not considering that. I, that, that, that. That's Why? irrelevant to the argument. Why? All about the Benjamins should not be cons- put in the same category as any of those movies in name. Because you're, because you're talking about romantic dramas. <sighs> romantic dramas are going to have that drama on it. I mean, so you can't you can't look at a single genre of movie so, and so say, you, oh, so you think this this, this genre is doing this thing that so, I don't like when and then ignore all the other movies out there. So my my and maybe I didn't ask my question because when you look at these women, movies that our women are liking and looking up to and romanticize, they don't romanticize about the relationships in all about the Benjamins. They want to have that Marcus and Angela love. They want to have those those type of situations that love Jones when dude really he was in love, but he didn't know how to uh, express it. And he was trying to be too cool and almost lost her, you know, like. But that is probably one of the biggest black love stories in recent history. Like those are I can't name a woman that doesn't really like love Jones, you know, like it's those type movies that our women are looking looking to or, you know, going to see with their girlfriends or whatever the case may be, date night type movies that are supposed to really be romantic, but is that really like, he's going to screw you over, love him enough, and then eventually you'll win his heart and, and you'll uh, live happily ever after. All about the Benjamins, I'm not even going to talk about it as a movie. I just wouldn't put it in that same category as what women are looking to. Because um, higher learning, like think all these all these little romantic relationships 
that have the love scenes and all that stuff. All these movies have a love scene or something like that. That special kiss, that special moment. It's that magic, that magic in the movie that they look up to. And it's still pretty much guy screws woman over, woman sticks by him, and eventually she wins his heart. Like I said, I mean, the thing is, even white dramas have that same thing. Any romantic drama is going to have that. Like that, that, that is that genre of, of film. I don't like, know a name, lot of name, white name, movies. Name, that name way. a drama. Name a romantic drama that not a, not a romantic comedy, but a, a drama that didn't have that kind of story arc. Well, well most of them were like you got to think most the, of these. No Exactly. But most of these guys aren't cheating. Like they're like dogging these women out. It's not like they just don't get along. It's like they're dogging them out. Well, for for the best man, his transgressions were like in the past, like before the movie starts. Like he's very devoted to her by the time we pick up in the present time. Uh with, Boomer, with, Boom, with Boomerang. In the best man, she said. Yeah, remember he said, like she say like she's the one that got me on track, and when I thought I was gonna lose oh, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. she gave him direction. Like once again, it was it was her bringing him to the light. Okay, and but I, I guess I mean like that's not really the movie. It's like that is in the past, and even with Boomerang, I don't want to excuse his behavior. He did mess up, but when you look at the totality of it, he was really in love with Robin Givens' character. And then her, him and Angela hooked up very soon after that. So he still had, he shouldn't have gotten with Angela until he was completely over, uh, I can't think of her name, Robin Givens' character. So it's bad what he did because he did go cheap, but it's not like he was just wilding out. He thought he still had feelings for somebody. So just bad timing, bad decision. But I wouldn't, I don't know if that's like dogging and out kind of like how what happens in some of the other movies you're talking yeah, about. How to be yeah, a but player, no matter this, yeah. In that movie, <laughs> in that movie, she, she nursed him back to health. This dude was depressed. Like it's guy tries to turn around, turn a corner. And at the end of the day, the woman still gets hurt. Like it's, and they're all not. It's not the exact same storyline. They change it up, but it's like and, and bad she, guy. She took on that challenge. He didn't even pursue her. Like she started kissing on him during Star Trek. She knew he was damaged and broken, and and was still hurt over uh, Robin Gibbons. So she kind of. Oh, she took advantage of him. I'm with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the women gonna love that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's. <laughs> but you know, like it was just weird because, and the reason I brought it up because I'm watching this movie, and for the longest, I just never really paid attention. I'm like, and I know it makes for a better story arc, but I'm like, God dang, it's like all these movies, the a lot of them, these dudes were dogging these women out. Not the one I of made. some sort coming to America. <laughs> you know, coming to America might be one of the few ones, but especially in the late. I mean, the 90s and early 2000s, you're seeing more women's liberation movies type, like, type of things like that. But back in the day, and I'm like, this was, Mo' Better Blues was a like a love story. It was a, you know, um, and people looked up to it. And he's like, oh, that's messed up. You know, he, you know, the, the, the scene where he called one chick the other name, the other chick the other name, and they're like, it just keeps going back and forth. They're like, look at me, look at me, look at... And he's like, this dude just got caught up. 
and but you end up feeling sorry for him when he breaks and when he finally goes after her and she wins she wins her man so so you you asked do women romanticize i think for hollywood and first off, no, I don't think black women romanticize about being dogged out. But I think for Hollywood, you know, they want to paint black women as a symbol of strength and, and being these strong beings. And I think the only way they know how to do it is to show them going through a man that's maybe dogging them out. They stick with them or like you say, with best man, they help him find God, religion and, and save his life, so to speak. And that's the only way Hollywood really knows how to paint black women as far as them being symbols of strength. Uh, so they're definitely not romanticizing about it. They complain yeah, and, about it all the time. And, and that's my thing. I'm not trying to say they romanticize about being dogged out. I mean, they romanticize about these relationships in the yeah. end result. Like they're, yeah. they're these great the relationships. Yeah. And, but the thing about it is like to get there. So it's, I feel like they're, a lot of times because this is what they see or just the, like, I remember in this movie, they did this, this, and this. And I'm not saying they're, they're thinking they're like, well, I remember in Momenta Blues, he cheated on her and did all this stuff. So that can, that, that should happen to me. That's how I'm going to win my, my man over. But subconsciously, it's like, it's okay. It's like, that's, that's the norm. It happened in some of these movies. My favorite movie this happened. And my favorite love story, you know, she fought for a man and it all worked out in the end. It, like, what is it? You know, why do they always have to be uh, so strong? Why does that, like you said, Hollywood portrays them a certain way. Why do they always have to get hurt before happiness? See, I, I mean, I, I know I keep going back to it. It's they, they aren't like you're 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 cherry picking these movies when there's other movies out there that they don't go through this stuff. But but do women look through those name name another movie? I, I don't think women look to these movies. Like you're saying it, but I I don't I don't no, think women look like to these movies their, as relationship goals. But, I think they are they're looking at it like it's a an interesting story arc. Okay. It's a good story and in the end it has a happy ending. They they get together. Cool. And and so like Byron said, women women complain about the guy dogging them. They complain about that. They see that and know that that's not normal and that that's not what they want. I mean, the women um, did in the movie too. Like I'm not saying they. So what I'm saying is, I, I'm I, I'm not trying to say that they're they're weak minded and they can't think for themselves by any means. What I'm just saying is, it's the movies that you're saying I'm cherry picking are women movies that I've heard women say they like. They'll go sit there and curl up and watch these type movies. I, but They're, I think they like them because it's a good movie to them. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good movie. Like, I like them too. I don't, I mean, you know, I will go and watch Love and Basketball, Brown Sugar, if it's on. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite movies in the world is, uh, not to do it with it, this, but Devil Wears Prada is one of my favorite movies. If it's on, I will watch it. So... Like the, the certain movies, you just if it's on, I like it. I'm gonna watch it, and I think that's what they 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 look at it because of that, not because of the the story arc of the dog the guy cheating. Yeah, but they all got dogged out. Like I said, Mobetta Blues. I'm sitting at the end. I'm like, fix my life. Like kick him out. Like she literally, this dude. If you watch that movie today, 
that was almost like domestic abuse the way he would he, like he was grabbing her and wouldn't walk out the yeah. house and you Most know the blues does not age well <laughs> a lot of these and I think that's what it is like a lot of these movies don't age well when you look at it in 2020 it's like what were we telling our women like when you look at these movies at the time it was romantic or whatever the case may be when you look back at it it's like man that was messed up like these guys were really out here doing their thing and was it once again is that art imitating life life imitating art but maybe I'm on an island by myself I'll stand on that island I'm cool with it no, so we'll, um, we'll throw it out there we'll let the listeners uh, give us some opinions it is what on. it is that that's one that's one of those questions we should have had a woman as a guest on for you to ask and see what they say but hopefully they'll give us some feedback on this and uh cause right. you know we'll see yeah. who's up next so I, I can't remember who went first out of me and Rosie last time. I think I I think I went first. So you take it, Rosie. All right, all right. Um, all right. So it is uh, Black History Month, and I want to talk a little bit about sacrificing our children, and I'll explain that a little bit. But my next. Alabama Leadership Initiative Retreat is coming up this weekend, and I was just kind of reviewing some of my notes and everything, and and one thing popped in my head from a sidebar conversation that I had from my last uh, retreat. So um, just talking to one of the, she's a teacher, or actually she was a teacher, and now she um, has a nonprofit that does like, um, she helps students that uh, have learning disabilities and things like that um, get the need uh, the, the um, I guess resources support they need resources they need yeah uh, but she's not a resource officer or re- or, or um, a resource person um, but her nonprofit helps to uh, I guess uh, bolster those uh, resource officers um, and so she was talking to me a little bit about I moved out to Hoover and the reason why I moved to Hoover was because of the school system point blank period that's the reason why we we decided to move out of Birmingham to move into uh Hoover because the kids we wanted them in a good school system and um so she was talking about um you know staying in Birmingham staying in the Birmingham uh, school systems and things like that and because the only way that those school systems are going to get better is people like us that have money that pay uh, property taxes, that buy bigger houses and stuff, um, keep stay in the, the city limits, pay those property taxes, send our kids to school so that the scores can go up. Because it, a lot of times it's not about the school. It's about what happens at home. And that's why your kids have better, um, you know, grades and things like that. And so for people like us that are going to support our kids and everything, um, a lot of times we fly from those kind of poor neighborhoods or, or really black neighborhoods a lot of times. Uh, and go into these white neighborhoods because they have better school systems or perceived as better school systems. And so, and I, I just, hands out, I, I was like, yes, I understand what you're saying about staying in those school systems and trying to, uh, you know, bolster those and, and helping out the grades and the scores and all of that. But the thing is, I can't sacrifice my kids <laughs> to do that. And And so, you know, I've got to make the best choice for my kids, even if it does, I I can't save the world with this one. And so my question to you guys is, um, 
would you sacrifice your kids? Or I, 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 I guess that has a, a negative connotation. Would you stay in poor neighborhoods or something like that where you don't, the school system isn't as good? Um, and just so that your kids and, and everything, and so that you, you can help the school system get better. Well, I feel like for me to say yes would be a lie because I have a kid and we're not living in a predominantly black <laughs> neighborhood. So I guess the answer is no. Up here where I am, so you have Washington, D.C. that is in between Maryland and Virginia. And for those that live up here, to simplify it, most people say Virginia is the white folks side, Maryland is the black folks side. And for me, when I first moved up here, uh, Prince George's County, which is the richest black county in the country. If you look at the uh, the median, the average uh, income, housing prices, all of that stuff, and it's still bad. So when I first moved up here, the carjackings were just like the drive-by shooters, all of that stuff. So for me, this was before I even had kids. I chose Virginia because, A, it's what I was familiar with. It's where my family already lived when I first moved up here. And, B, you know, I have to think about Tabitha. So I probably wouldn't have mind if it was just me living in Maryland, but I can't have her trying to load groceries in her car and get knocked upside the head. And for the people that are saying, well, it's crime everywhere, yeah, it is. But this is also a numbers game. So if day-to-day – one county is getting five or six carjackings a day, and the other one is getting maybe five or six a year. I'm going to kind of go to the one that got five or six a year. Okay? So, you know, you miss me with that crime is everywhere thing. So it's not so much that I just ran to this side because it has better schools. Um, I think more or less for me, it was just a safety and, and crime thing. If PG County was, like, in my opinion, a lot safer uh, when I first moved up here, then yeah, because I I actually had this conversation with Jasmine on our way to uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I was telling her that we're in a predominantly white area and that it's up to mommy and daddy to teach her more about her background and stuff like that. Those are the things that concerns me when you're in a predominantly white neighborhood. So I think on a case by case basis, should you, as Riley said, sacrifice your kids? You know, if it's safe enough. Don't just look at white schools as being better because that's not necessarily true. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what we're always told. So just look at what's important to you. And um, if you can make it happen, I, I definitely think you should. If I could, I definitely would. Uh, but that just wasn't how it is. I think PG County has gotten better. But that's just, you know, when I first moved up here, I got more familiar with Virginia. And here I am. Um, this is a question I've thought about a lot. And um, to understand my ends, you have to understand my values. So my number one value is my family. That's the thing I put above everything else. And it's my duty to always do what's best for them. And so give a little backstory. And I don't know if I talked about this before. When I make decisions, I try to make decisions based off of my values. And I use my values as almost like a board of directors. So I kind of put them in a, put these five things in a row and say, how does it affect my family, my finances and, and so on. And if it affects my family adversely, then I can't in good faith do it. 
The crazy thing is community is also one of my values. But my family comes before that. And my thing is, I wish we were in the situation where we can make a, I don't call um, a mass migration back to the inner city, but it's, it would be a mass migration. It has, it can't be, it has to be group think. Me or moving. You're talking about gentrification and that's just bad. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. that. No, <laughs> it is what it is. But if that's what they need to get the school systems, the thing about it is it, it can't just be me. It has mm-hmm. to be the community knows what's going on. It has to be group think. It's we're, we're bringing wealth back into this neighborhood. We're focused on it. Your taxes might go up or your taxes are probably going to go up. That's that's a part of this. But the the benefits are the school system is going to get better. It's gonna. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But I also got to make sure as the school system is getting better, I'm not sacrificing my kids. It might take three to five years for that to happen, and they're getting uh, substandard education. And not just saying like Byron said, white schools aren't necessarily bad or whatever the case may be. But also, when I made this move, I tried to pick a school system that was that had good grades. And so it's it's tough. Like, I can't sacrifice my kids if you're not willing to sacrifice as well. Like, it, that's not up to me to save everybody. Now, if you, if you want to talk about saving and we can an agreement saying, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit, then that's for the greater good. Yes. But it's just not up to me. I think that's the reason we don't get a lot of things done is you we expect just one or two people to do it. It's like, why haven't you done it? Hey, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's sit down and come up with a game plan. You know, um, just like uh, I think might have been on the Facebook group. People were talking about buying houses back in Mobile. I'm with that. If it's a group effort, but it's just not going to be me. Like, I can't change Tomanville mm-hmm. by myself. You know, right now, like, if I, you know, financially, if I was in a place, maybe. But at the same time, I can't do it. But if we had a group of 50 investors or 100 investors and we're talking about buying Tomanville back one block at a time, that's a different case. But also the, the residents of Tomanville would also have to agree to certain things as we're, we're, we're uh, taking on this project. And it's or, or not or they don't agree and we gentrify the area and now they hate us, even though yeah. we're 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 trying to uh, improve the neighborhood. So there, there's there's a, a lose lose there. And, and so my thing is my kids or my family. It's not even should have to suffer, but we shouldn't be the only players in this game. So I look at it almost like I looked at the 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 um, the boycott where it was never going to go anywhere if it wasn't mass participation. It was people say, well, the players in a boycott. Well, the players weren't in my view, the players weren't boycotting because the the fans were still going to watch the sport. You don't have my back. Why Why am I going to go out? Why am I the person has to put this movement on my back? And the fans were like, well, I'm not going to stop watching because the players aren't boycotting. That's, like it has to be, it has to be like, okay, together, like, Hey, we're not going to play. You're not going to watch. Let's see. Let, now we can make things happen. It's just not either or it has to be at least the majority are all on the same page. And until we can get on the same page, I can't, I can't die on that, that cross. I can't die on that sword. Like I have to, 
I have to do what's best for my for my family until the rest of my my my, my people, my the rest of my community are at least ready to come with a game plan, and we can do things together. So until then, um, Berg's out. <laughs> so so all three of us are living in areas that we didn't grow up in. Uh, we're like essentially all from Mobile, Rosie in Birmingham, you're in Houston, I'm in D.C. It would be stupid for me not to listen to the people that grew up and lived here. I remember I started out at the airport and I had this apartment book looking at places because Tabitha was getting ready to move up here. Thanks, babe. Tabitha was getting ready to move. I mean, as soon as I called her name, she walked in. Uh, so, uh, she was getting ready to move up here, and I was like, you know, the, the cheaper prices were in southeast D.C., and if you know D.C., your eyes just got big. But, <laughs> you know, I was like, yo, I was telling people, like, I'm looking at this apartment right here in southeast D.C., and I remember this one chick said, southeast? Is you crazy? No, you cannot move to Southeast. No. So they just told me about all the crime and stuff. And even people now that live in Maryland and Prince George's County, most of my coworkers have their kids in private schools. So I would be dumb to not listen to them and try to do what's best for my daughter. So it's not so much, again, I just wanted to reiterate, it's not so much that I just wanted to be another affluent, well, I'm not even that affluent, to be honest, but affluent black person that participates in what we call white flight, but I had to do what I thought was best for my family, kind of like what, what Ferg said. I had to do what was best. Yeah. And and that, like like Ferg said, that, that was kind of my response to her was let's do it together. Let's gentrify area. Let's say we're going to go and buy a block or two and all our kids are going to go to the uh, same school and so now we know that school is going to be funded we know that there's going to be not just me showing up at the pto meeting uh but there's going to be a good block of 15 16 20 people at the pto meeting talking about how we can improve the school and this that, and the other i'm like when we can do that when when we have this concerted effort I, i'm down for it like I'm down for the cause. I, there's nothing that says, you know, when my next time I want to move or if, if we have this plan and all right, five years from now, everybody be ready, have your house ready to sell. Here's where we want to go and actually have a gentrification plan. Like that's the thing. We're going to buy back that block and we are going to make it better. Um, and so I'm cool with that and I'm down with that. And so if anybody out there has a plan, around Birmingham like that holla at me and we can get I, I'm all uh, down for that but I can't I can't be the only person that's doing it and it, I can't carry that on my back what's her question why are we leaving or should we move back like we should have never left both it, it's basically it's like why did you leave I gave the answer and, and she was like you should move back um, because that is how the school system's going to get better. The area is going to get better because you need money. You need money for a uh, 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 area to uh, improve. So businesses don't come to an area without having, you know, some some form of like extra income. If the, if there's no disposable income in the uh, area, you're not going to get businesses. You're going to get the the thing. You're going to get necessities. So that's the only thing that's going to come into those areas is people that sell just bare minimum necessities because they know people are going to buy those things. But you're not going to get the nice Froyo spot in a poor area because they know that these people are trying to live check to check. They don't have money to go to Froyo spots every couple days or every week. 
So you need disposable income for those extra things to come. And when those extra things start coming, um, it, it, it make it's a cycle and more people move, more people come in. That's just how it goes. Well, that Froyo is not what's keeping me out the hood. <laughs> so, uh, but I get what you're saying. It's, it has to be a concerted effort. Businesses have to understand what's going on, but I just remember before I moved where I moved, I was in Mo City, well, the outskirts of Mo City, and it was a food desert. You know, we had to go, we had to go so far to go to a nice grocery store. I had to go so far to go to uh, get something nice to eat, you know, uh, and the school systems were subpar. It was, I mean, it was regular crime, you know, like it was, you know, Similar to growing up in Tomlinville, where I was at, you know, like, yes, you're going to go out and there's going to be uh, D-boys at certain gas stations standing out here doing their thing, which really didn't bother me as much. But at the end of the day, when it comes to my kids and what I the 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 plan I have for them, then also looking at the conversation we kind of had last week about preparing our kids for the future, it's like. I got to over prepare them. You know, they got it. They still have to be 10 times better. Mm-hmm. You know, is this going to prepare them to be 10 times better? Now, if, if it was an easy, it was an even playing field, then yes. It's not that I can, I can take my kids to a good school and they're going to be okay. It's like they almost have to go to the best school just to be on level playing field from the get go. And that's the that's the world we live in, you know, so. Cool. Just wanted your thoughts, guys. Appreciate the conversation. But hey, what man. you got for us? So I'm going to bring us home with uh, this question right here. And there's a chance you guys are going to need a moment to, like, think about your answer. So, Roz, you may have to edit out some of the dead air. But who is someone that you don't necessarily like or can't stand or maybe even hate. You hate that person. You, you don't like that person. You can't stand that person. But you respect what they've done. You respect their work uh, or whatever they've done. You don't agree with them. But from afar, you can say, yo, if that person, if my thoughts align with theirs or if theirs align with mine, that would be a great ally to have, but I, I can't rock with them, but I do respect, you know, the influence that they have. Rizzo, you can't say Dr. Umar either. <laughs> I don't respect that work either. Oh. <laughs> Not just the thoughts, I don't respect the work. <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff is made up like that school. All right. Oh, let me stop. Jab, jab. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm probably going to steal yours, Byron, but I'm going to say Mitch McConnell, man. Oh, yeah, I did post about him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. for, for anybody who wasn't following him, though, yeah, like, it, for folks who don't understand, you might hate Mitch, but as a politician, he is probably one of the most successful politicians in modern history. When you think about, he he delayed a Supreme Court justice for almost a year, like, and wouldn't confirm them 
betting on the Republicans were going to win the election because the thing was, that wasn't even a given that they were going to win. I mean, Hillary Clinton was kind of like she should have won. It was hers to lose. And so he he made that bet delayed for a whole year. Republicans won. They have what filled these lifetime appointments for, I think it's a record setting number of appointments for judicial nominations. Mm -hmm. So like they, they have stacked the deck in the Republicans favor. He, I'm going to say he, he has stacked the deck in Republican favor for years to come. Um, when you talk about how he's treating um, Trump with the impeachment and stuff, the thing is because the constitution is so vague on impeachment, like he actually is doing everything legal and nobody can really say you you can say oh i disagree i i'm disgusted with him he's ignoring it blah 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 but the thing is you can't do anything about it <laughs> and that that's what makes him such a good politician i mean he he is up there man like he he is running things that's a great one that was a great one well as no surprise you Guys probably know who mine is. <laughs> is it Tyler Perry? It is Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> is that what made you ask this question? No, I've been, you know, I have a list of questions, man. I've been waiting to get to this one for a minute. So, well, it, it is. I'm not a fan of his movies. I'm not a fan of his plays especially any of the Medea stuff, because I've just seen so many strong black grandmothers and the caricature he has them play, the loud, angry, gun-toting. That That's not our black woman. That, yes, there's a, a certain strength that he tries to portray in all that, but it's still kind of... <sighs> It's just it's just disappointing. And then I just get disappointed in um, how many people are just still entertained by it. That's, just, that's my bigger thing. I can't believe that it's just he has so big of a following. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the fact that he stayed relevant, he stayed true to himself, and he's come from nothing, like nothing. Sleeping in his car. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when he first came out, there was no way to foresee that he would be as big as he is. It was impossible for this guy to have this huge studio in Atlanta and to be worth what he's worth and to do all the things that he does and for people to openly talk about how disappointed in his work they are. Like it's, it's almost bipartisan. It's like, it's people that just really like, I'm, I don't rot with this dude. And then he has his loyal constituents. And so my thing is, I don't see how he does it. I'm still baffled, but he's, he's found his niche and he has been so successful and what's crazy is I don't see him going anywhere. Mm. I don't see, I don't see his fans asking anything more of him. And I can see him around another 10, 15, 20 years. Well, he has a great formula because I don't think he spends 
an entirely great amount of money on his movies. And he used a lot of, this is going to sound like a diss, but he uses a lot of actors that are like maybe past their prime. So they're not demanding a $20 million film check. And so he doesn't need he doesn't need to do like box office numbers like a hundred oh, yeah. million dollars. Like he just like you say he has that core following, and so as long as he has that core following and his movies do like maybe thirty or forty million dollars, and he only spent two to make it, he oh, bank but, it. But what was crazy is, and then he turns he turns them out. I think he turns about a, a one and a half movies out every year. And he's not and paying so, any writers. No, he writes everything. No writers. Himself. His overhead is crazy. And like you said, his formula is crazy. Not only the amount of movies he picks and his locations and all stuff. He has a new studio, so he's not paying for that. But the his formula with the actors and actresses he chooses, if you notice, even like you said, they're past their prime. Most of his actors and actresses kind of have a special place in your heart. Yes. Like yes. you 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 relate to them. You remember them in their prime. So you you want to see them do well once again. You want to see that one last hurrah. Or or he'll get the ones that's like not quite to their prime yet. So like Idris Elba, I know Razio mentioned I think Daddy's girl on either a post or yeah. something. I think he got him like not long after the wire. So people were like, hey, I know him from the wire. And, and then boom, uh, we all love Janet Jackson. Put her in Why Did I Get Married? She's not a $20 million movie type woman. So, it, you know, and even I think he had Jill Scott in there too. So he uses like big name people that doesn't, doesn't like, they, don't, they don't necessarily demand a huge. Yeah. You know, then, because then because it, they're not, they're not like real thespians or they're up and coming a no, lot of times. But then he had like, I want to say, didn't he have Felicia Rashad in the movie? Yeah, he had in uh, Fall from Grace. Mm. Oh, she was in another movie? I thought she was yeah. in like um, for Curl Girls or something like that. She might have made that up. Yeah, have, she, she's I in a lot of them, them though. But I, Felicia Rashad does like TV. I mean, but, I'm so, saying, so, but the thing about it is she'll always be Claire Huxtable. That's so yeah, exactly. you, you, there's a special place like Oh man, he got he got Claire Huxley in the movie. I, I think it, I think for him though, he used Rudy too. I think. That, he yeah, Rudy. he yeah, he used her a lot. But I think for him, he's starting to get a lot of flack now because he's he's you overused that formula, and people are looking at now that you do have the funds to do a blockbuster or a, a better quality show. People are starting to expect better quality movies out of him. And so yeah. that's that's the issue that people are have. Like when when he was Tyler Perry just starting out, you you were happy that he got that that's up and coming actor or the one that's past a prime or whatever. But now with the money and the assets that he has, they're like, hold on now. You need to be up in your game. You need to be a major player now. You, I mean, yeah. stop, stop doing, stop doing the nickel and dime movies. Yeah, but is it going to stop them from watching? I hear you, but I think well, Fall from Grace. I think a Fall it, from Grace might have been that's the turning point. I think that's just because point. that the, the, I hear I keep hearing about these wigs. If the wigs weren't so bad, people might have let them make it. You know what I'm saying? It's well, just like it, it's not just the wigs. It's a lot of little mistakes. Like I posted a video. Of the the guy in the background like drinking air, 
and and not even eating, but pretending he's eating. And like you can see it playing his day. I think Razio mentioned something about a bandage being around his head at one point. And then the next shot, it was like a, a whole head wrap or something like that. So he's making a lot more mistakes. So if he continues to do that, I think we can look at fall from grace as being like the turning point where people started saying, okay, Tyler, you need to tighten up. So. I, I'm always, you know, I'm always rooting for everybody black, so I can't, I can't root against him. But I, I would like him to step his game up, and for his fans to demand more from him to make him better because he is, I guess, get some writers. That, and I feel like he's definitely he's so high profile that he sets to set certain extent sets the mark for a lot of other a lot of other black writers and producers and everything and it's kind of like this is one of your A-list guys this is all you got so so I so, I, I, I asked this question man because I actually have three and I'll probably just spend time elaborating on one but um, it's just like I said it's a question I thought about for a while but so I remember when the, the tea party first hit um, like as soon as Obama, Obama got elected the tea party came about and I I couldn't stand them, but I did admire the power that they had. I just wish, you know, we as black people had that type of party to where we can push. Like they was getting candidates to get elected. Like they knocked off the uh, the assistant majority leader of the House and Eric Cantor in a Virginia district. And like this dude, I mean, Eric Cantor had like millions of dollars, this high profile politician and he got knocked off because the Tea Party felt like he wasn't conservative enough. And they had people running scared, like seasoned politicians. And I, I just thought that was cool. I wish we can do that because you know a lot of politicians get in these office and they get kind of stale and they no longer do what they originally went there for. So I definitely admire them. Um also I, well, maybe I'll save him for last. The the other one is uh, well, Ferg, you took it, Tyler Perry, and so I need to elaborate on that. But y'all might raise your eyebrows on this one, but Donald Trump. I I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to be hated. Well, I, I respect I, I respect his gangster. That dude is gangster. Here's the thing with him, it's a little different. I don't necessarily well, I don't care for him, but I also. I'm not going to even say I respect what he's done because he was born rich. You know, he does, he doesn't pay people properly. He does crappy work. Even this wall that he kept complaining about, he finally gets it built and we find out it collapsed. So he's, he's pretty much a con man in my eyes, but I think of what, it, when it comes to him, I respect what he could do if he was like, if he chose to be a more inclusive president, if he wasn't so divisive, I look at the power this man has. I've never, and like, you know, I know people stick to their parties, but I've never seen a politician with followers that are so into him. Like the truest thing he said was I can shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square and I wouldn't lose any of my support. And it's true. They stick with him. I love how he's outside of politics. He didn't grow up in it. He's different. He speaks plain. And if he were to use that for good, if he would use that to actually help minorities to uh, to change a lot of this bad practices in, in government and stuff like that, he could go down as the single greatest president 
if he chose to use his power for good, but he chooses to be divisive. He chooses to flirt with racism and all this other stuff to where I can't rock with him. I can't even like respect what he's done. But for a man to get elected like that and have the power that he's has, it's just a missed opportunity because I think he really could have flipped the world of politics on his head. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. But to add on that, the reasons you can't rock with them is the reasons I respect the shit out of them because nobody has ever had the balls to be that ballsy. Like this dude does, he hides in plain sight. Like it's just, I can't, I can't even imagine. Name one other politician that would just, just come out and just do that stuff and just. Dude, this dude, this the CIA, the FBI. He's just uh, like well-decorated colonels and generals. <laughs> I mean, like, it's but, nothing he can do that'll make people turn on him, man. But he, and, and then he blatantly lies. Like, yeah, this is the this is the biggest turnout ever. Are you looking at what I'm looking at? Like, it's <laughs> and it's just we would tear anybody else, and actually they do tear him. And it just does, like you said, his supporters are so diehard that they're not going anywhere. And he got he 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 doesn't care. He he doesn't care. He is he is the anti Obama. People wish that Obama would have came in with the nuts that Trump came in with. Like if Obama had that that much just gall to just like I'm gonna do it. I'm reparations just passed. It is what it is. Like hey. And you know what, though, on the flip side, and this speaks to America as a whole, and I hope I don't get the show in trouble, but America is still a little bit too racist. And if he did the things that I wished he would do, like take up for minorities and stuff, then he probably wouldn't be as popular. But they, that's what I'm they, saying. Yeah, they like him. Like you say, they like him because of the the things he's against, you know, uh Kicking, kicking, kicking uh, Muslims out of the country and yeah, wanting so, to build a wall and stuff. So everything, the anti-Obama, Obama, Obama had to walk on eggshells because if he would have did one thing, just one thing that was kind of a little far-fetched, he's gone. This dude goes all the way. And it's kind of like four more years, like you hear the chance. You know, this dude could this dude can incite the next civil war. Like I I feel like he's that strong. He's kind of threatened to do it. I mean, he kind of vaguely mentioned that that if but he the was fact peace, that exactly he has. The <laughs> fact that he has done that is the reason I respect the hell out of him. Like, oh yeah, do what you play with me if you want. Like that's that's crazy. And it's his first term. Dude, second term Trump? Obama grabbed his nuts a little bit. Second term Trump? Dude, crazy. All righty. Well, um, I think we've said enough about those guys. Um, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, yeah bro. I was thinking about him the whole time. I'm like, I just, I just, I don't know. But you definitely have to respect the potential he has and his gangster. Um, but with that being said, fellas, another great show. Time to wrap it up. What you want to leave them with? 
Mr. Macarelli, you want to take it? Yeah. Hey, man, I just want to say we appreciate all the the love we're getting, man. Um, I had I made that video about um, credit and it had a huge response. I know folks have asked me about um, maybe talking about mortgages and and those types of things. So maybe I'll uh, throw another video out there to uh, talk about mortgages this week um, and get that out to you guys. But appreciate all the love. Appreciate all the responses. Just keep uh, throwing them at us, man. Keep asking us questions. Shoot them to us. Message us. Don't forget to message us. Uh, drop a message, or you can just email us three brothers no sense at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, email us. Shoot us an email. DM us on Facebook, Instagram, anything like that. We want to hear from you guys, and we want to talk about what you want to hear about. I say this every week, man, but I'm having a lot of fun with you guys, especially on our Facebook page. Um, it's it just, it's a great feeling to know that you guys are enjoying it. Like we are, I even saw one girl who like shared our posts and like one of her friends checked it out. She was like, and now I'm following them because, uh, we just have a lot of fun on that. We talk about serious issues, talk about fun topics. Uh, and also I want to give a shout out to one of my, uh, my book club members. I'm in a book club. First off, I apologize for missing today's meeting. But I had to take a day and spend with my family. I've been pretty much gone every day for two weeks straight with this impeachment trial, getting home, not seeing my daughter because she's already asleep. So I had to take this day and just, you know, I'll be with you guys next meeting. But one of the members, he uh, told me he related to uh, the story I told when I first cried in front of Tabitha about my mom and stuff he kind of went through a very similar thing with his mom. And he told me, he's like, man, when you was telling that story, it's like I was right there with you because the same thing happened to me. So we appreciate little stuff like that. You know, Razio's question was based on, you know, someone talking to him about some of the things we talk about. So we just really appreciate it. We do it for you guys. We have a lot of fun. So just keep giving us feedback, participating. We love each and every one of you all. So just thanks, subscribe, continue to tell people about the show. Well, my um, my co-host did it right. There's nothing really to be said about anything they said. Um, it is Black History Month. We challenge you guys to go out, as Rosie said last week, and do something great for somebody else. Volunteer. Once again, um, read some Black literature. But t- spend time with your family and loved ones. I think this this last week really made everybody realize that life isn't guaranteed. If you have beef, if you have problems with somebody, you know, life's too short. Get past it. So with that being said, this is Three Brothers No Sense. Six Rules of Podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe comment and most importantly listen again see you next week